You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm really excited for you to hear this podcast today. I am joined by a fantastic guest, NBC Sports insider James Hamm joins me. We discuss Marvin Bagley, his injuries, and his continued development. We talk about all of the rumors surrounding the Kings and what they're going to be trying to do around the trade deadline. James gives his thoughts on the Kent Bazemore trade and why he really liked it. Plus, he has some very interesting things to say about the Kings' value of Bogdan Bogdanovich going into not just the trade deadline, but in into next summer's unrestricted free agency period. You're going to want to listen to every single second of today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Locked on Kings, your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season, all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December all year long, this is the place for you. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for over the last five years this is my sixth season covering the Sacramento Kings, but I grew up a diehard fan of the Sacramento Kings. Born in 1994, became a Kings fan at six years old. Still remember my first game very fondly. I fell in love uh, with the Kings, with the atmosphere at Arco Arena, and with my favorite player, my first ever favorite NBA player, Jason Williams, when I saw him absolutely demolish the Los Angeles Clippers in my first ever live NBA game. I've been hooked ever since, and I've been with you, Kings fans, every step of the way through this very, very tough long playoff drought that the Kings are trying to make their way through. Obviously, this season has been, so far, a colossal disappointment. And if you want a lot of negativity and frustration on this podcast, go and listen to yesterday's episode where I was uh, I was pretty fatigued, upset, bothered, just tired uh, after the Kings uh, really fell apart uh, in their game that they should have won against the Miami Heat. But that's behind us now. The Kings take on uh, the Detroit Pistons tonight, although unfortunately the Kings will be without Marvin Bagley. The Pistons are also uh, without a lot of pieces, potentially including uh, Andre Drummond. We know Blake Griffin is out for the remainder of this season as as well, so definitely a winnable game tonight for the Sacramento Kings. Unfortunately, Bagley not playing after arguably his best game of the season when he scored 15 points and grabbed 15 rebounds against the Miami Heat. But I have no more time to waste. This conversation with James Hamm is going to dominate the podcast, so I have that for you here in just a second. Before that, though, I have to thank uh, one of our fantastic sponsors here of the Locked on Kings podcast and the Locked on Podcast Network, my bookie. If you're the type of fan that knows football or basketball so well that you could choose any game and call it, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all of your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, college basketball season, it's time Time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off of everything else and back onto the game. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're looking for someone who is plugged in about as much as you can be plugged into an organization without physically working for them, 
then James Hamm is the perfect guy for you when it comes to the Sacramento Kings insider for NBC Sports. He is uh, on Kings pregame. You'll see him uh, in the locker room all the time, postgame press conferences, interviews, also hosts a podcast. James Hamm is everywhere, always super plugged in when it comes to the Sacramento Kings, and I always enjoy talking to him any time of the year, but especially when we start approaching trade deadline season. Uh, it's when all the rumors begin and we hear the Kings potentially are making calls, and if there is any any truth uh, to these uh, rumors and to these situations, James Ham will have uh, his fingers on the pulse of everything. So it's great to have him back here on the Locked on Kings podcast. James, thank you so much for taking the time. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. Hope everything's going well with you through this uh, tough season for the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, it's a brutal season, Matt. We're waiting to see what happens here if this team figures it out. But uh, they just can't seem to get over the hump in all of these close ball games, And uh, I, the losses are piling up. and who knows what in the world they're going to do here at the trade deadline because it's going to get very interesting. Before we start talking about the trades, I want to ask you about tonight. Kings just announced that Marvin Bagley is out with his left foot soreness for tonight's game. In your mind, is that just the Kings more erring on the side of caution, knowing that he has been still battling through these these foot soreness issues, or is there any reason to be concerned at all? Well, look, uh, there's always reason to be concerned anytime you're dealing with a foot issue with a a near seven footer who's 20 years old. Um, but in this situation, um, I, I was there with them in Utah over the weekend and clearly he had, he had tweaked his foot a little bit during the game. And in post game, I asked him how the foot was feeling. He added in a big ice bucket and he said, I'm all right. I'm all right. And clearly, uh, he's not like a hundred percent or he wouldn't be sitting out. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is one of those situations where uh, you have to err on the side of caution. You're dealing with a a player who could be a franchise changer for you if he puts it all together. Uh, and, and you don't want to mess around with a foot issue with a, a young player like this. Bagley's coming off of arguably his best game of this season. 15 points, 15 rebounds, unfortunately, in a loss uh, to the Miami Heat, a game where many think the Kings should have and, and definitely could have won that game. But, James, simply, is is court time just what Marvin Bagley needs over anything else? Obviously, he has different elements of his game to work on, but is it just his ability to consistently stay on the floor and play a stretch of 10, 20, maybe even 30 games? Uh, what's missing for this young man right now? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, you just need to get him healthy and on the court and then then see what you have. I mean, you can't watch him play a, and think that he doesn't have elite talent. He does have elite talent. You watch the things that he does, his ability to get off the floor so quickly. Um, but, you know, these things happen. You know, injuries happen. You just hope that this doesn't become a trend with him uh, that that lasts throughout his career. I mean, he's already missed what is it, 30 games a season, uh, tonight will be 31. Um, he missed 20 last year. So he, he hasn't even got to a full 82 game, uh, you know, sort of season yet. He hasn't, he hasn't got to 82 it total through a season and a half. So that's a concern. Um, but you know, you need to get him developed and you need to figure out where he fits with your team. To me, he looks like a center. He does not look like a power forward. He can do some power forward things, but I think in the long-term trajectory of his career, he's probably better suited to play at the five with uh, more of a stretch four alongside him. I think him and Bielitsa are a very good combination, but then 
You know, you also have Rashawn Holmes, who has played extremely well for the Sacramento Kings. I, I think that Luke Walton, he's had a lot of tests here in the first half of the season, and he's going to have another one here once he's fully healthy. And that's what do you do with uh, with that front court of Bielitsa, who's played extremely well, who and then Holmes, who you know has been the team's MVP through the first half of the season, and then Bagley, who is the future of the club. And how do you manage expectations? How do you manage who plays and who doesn't? How do you manage player combos? Can Holmes and Bagley work together? I mean, there's a lot to this puzzle here that they have to figure out. And back to your point. They really need to get them on the court and figure out if they can, you know, mesh these guys together and see what they have for next season uh, with this season kind of spinning out of control. And these are all things that Vlane, this front office, needs to consider even when they are approaching the trade deadline here. Now, they haven't waited uh, to start making some moves as uh, the Kings made a trade uh, over the weekend, uh, trading with the Portland Trailblazers, sending Trevor Ariza, Wenyan Gabriel, Caleb Swanigan uh, over to Portland, getting Kent Bazemore, uh, Anthony Tolliver coming back for a second stint with the Kings along with a couple more uh, second-round draft picks. Kings in the short term acquiring some extra salary to ultimately open up a roster spot. Just wanted to get your thoughts on this trade, what it does for the Sacramento Kings, and then we're going to transition in just a little bit to a a conversation about how much of a precursor move this is for the Kings to try and make some more moves down the road and what those moves could potentially look like. But just your thoughts overall on this underwhelming, kind of meh, but all right uh, trade by the Kings. You know what, Matt? I kind of like this trade, to be honest with you. Um, I think fans jumped all over Trevor Ariza early, uh, and maybe they didn't quite understand what Trevor Ariza brings to a game. Uh, he missed some wide-open shots. He missed some big-time buckets that could have changed the outcome of three or four games. But he also brought a defensive intensity that they don't have, a defensive versatility that they don't have anywhere else. Uh, his length, his ability to play the 2 3 4 I think all of those things really help the Kings in some of these games. Uh, I look back at the Phoenix Suns game where the Kings came back from, what, 21 down in the third quarter and and beat the Suns. That would have never happened if Trevor Ariza wasn't on the team. Um, He played huge in that game. And I think what you miss with Trevor Ariza is that he has an ability to do the little things that you don't see. And sometimes he makes mistakes. Every player does. Sometimes he he gets beat uh, because he's 34 years old uh, and, you know, is slowing down as far as NBA, uh, you know, standards. But I think he still did bring some, some positive things to the Kings. Um, but what you get out of Bazemore for me is sort of a similar offensive player, uh, an intense defensive player who, again, he's he's on the wrong side of 30. So he may or may not be able to stay with players uh, to to be an elite defender anymore. Uh, But he's got great length. And the reason why I kind of like uh, Bazemore for the Sacramento Kings team more than I like Trevor Ariza is that Bazemore brings an energy and an excitement that I think this team needs. And for me, he reminds me a lot of Amon Schumpert, who they had last year, but a better version of Amon Schumpert, a uh, super athlete, uh, 6'4", with a really, really long wingspan. So you're giving up a couple of inches here uh, over what you had with Ariza, but you're 
you're gaining more versatility. Um, and I just like his, his fit with the team better. Now it's a short term issue. You know, he's going to make $19.2 million this season. And then he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, you know, whether he comes back or not, who knows at this point, I would say there's a good chance he does not. Uh, but the Kings were able to get two second round picks, which they value heavily. And I'm not sure why they value second round picks so much, but they do have cash value. And if you look at 2022 as the marker, when the NBA is going to raise the age limit or drop the age limit back down to 18, that's a moment where the draft is going to become very intriguing. I think the 2021 draft where the Kings have four second round picks is going to be very intriguing because a crop of players who are in college and see what's going to happen the next year when high school players are eligible, I think a crop of players are going to jump in, you know, sophomores, juniors, uh, that maybe would not have done that. Uh, so I think we'll see an infusion of talent there. And then I think in 22, 23, 24, 25, we're going to see a really cha- a huge change in the draft where you're allowing, you know, maybe six, eight, ten players to come into the league that wouldn't be eligible uh, if not for the fact that, uh, you know, that the age limit changed. So I kind of like that the Kings have 13 second-round draft picks over the next five, six seasons, but they really do need to use those assets in the right way and make sure that they're not squandering them. Uh, You can't just say that you have all these picks and then, you know, use them on European prospects that may or may not ever come over uh, or on, you know, college players who may have talent but may not have NBA talent. Uh, You know, like we've seen Kyle Guy play just in one game for the Sacramento Kings this year. And, you know, they, they used a second-round pick on him. So you have to find value in those picks. And I, I hope the league does this. This is one thing I will say. I really do hope the league expands the, the G League roster. Uh, they make it easier for teams to parent roster so players can move back and forth. Because I think we're entering a phase where the G League is becoming a true minor league. and And I think that uh, that's what the Kings the Kings need to be able to bring talent up through, and so I think we're we're up for an interesting um, stretch here with the Kings. But uh, this this trade here, I kind of dig. Uh, it's not earth shattering, but I think it gives them energy. It may give them like a change of pace inside the locker room, and and I don't mind it as like sort of a budget deal, even if it costs you winning Gabriel. You bring up these boatload of second-round pick assets that the Kings have. You wrote an article recently that you published on January 20th titled, What is Kings' NBA trade deadline plan after disappoint uh, after a disappointing first half? I want to ask you about that more in just a second, but I want to go back to Trevor Reza really quickly if I can. I personally don't believe this. In fact, I've spoken out uh, against this, but maybe it'll mean more coming from you uh, than it does from me, for my listeners and others who might be listening to this podcast was there any situation or any storyline part of this trade where Vlade and the Kings front office was trying to move Trevor Ariza because they felt that Luke Walton was giving him too much playing time more than they would want to give him and they felt like they needed to separate the two? Or is that just some bogus storyline? No, I specifically asked that question and I was told that Luke Walton was on board with the trade. Um, so Luke Walton was on board with this trade and understood the trade 
And, you know, whether you take away a little bit of a security blanket or not, I think that that just, again, I don't think fans fully grasp what Ariza brings to the table. And, and I'm not saying he's the difference maker because clearly the Kings are 15 and 28 on the season. Um, but he does do things that, that fans aren't watching for. And when you hear, I mean, I see it on, on social media all the time. Kings are a quote unquote, low basketball IQ team. Um, Trevor Ariza is not a low basketball IQ player. And if you need to like look back to three seasons ago when he was anchoring the defense for the Houston Rockets who are, you know, making it to the Western conference championship, um, then you probably have just kind of missed the boat on who and what Trevor Ariza is. Mm. He's not a star level player. He got overpaid for sure uh, with his contract here in Sacramento. But at the same time, um, I, I just think that, you know, he was playing too many minutes for sure. But how how are you not going to play him too many minutes when you got guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich missing 10 games and you have other players on this Kings roster missing time and time, you know, nonstop. This uh, Walton has been dealing with sort of, you know, balancing out this roster. So I, I don't believe that, um, that this was to take uh, Ariza away from Walton. I just think the Kings are looking at it as a way to collect a couple more second round picks uh, that they believe that by 2024 and 25 will actually have a lot more value than the, you know, the two to 3 million going rate that they are right now. In this article that I mentioned earlier, James, you bring up De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley as completely untouchable, which I agree with. You have Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes as rather keep. You have an interesting category for Bogdan Bogdanovich by himself, which I'll get to a little bit later. But the only one that you have clearly on the block, which is no surprise to anyone, is Dwayne Dedman. Is is the top priority for the Kings before this trade deadline uh, to move on from him and move on from that contract and just kind of reset and, and, and put that that overpay and that failed free agency signing behind them? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's a priority, but at the same time they understand that, like, look, they may have to wait until this summer to move him when you know, he's a $13 million contract that's expiring at the end. So, I, I'm not sure that it's like the end-all, be-all, that if they don't trade, uh, you know, Dwayne Dedman, that this trade deadline was, you know, a bust. Um, but I, I just don't see a way that Deadman really finds his way back into the rotation. It's possible that next season, you know, if if you do lose Harry Giles, which is, is more than likely that he will walk away, um, that, you know, you walk in and you still have Deadman along with Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley and Nemanja Bialica. Um, So, I mean, I, I think that there is a an internal push to move him uh, because you don't want it to be a distraction um, there was also a point where if they get through the deadline, that you could t- just tell Dwayne Dedman to go home. Like, you know, go be with your family. We'll see you next year. We'll see you this summer. We'll try to find you a new home this summer. Um, but I just don't know that, you know, that it's like an end-all be-all. Again, we're talking about, at this point, we're talking about a fourth or fifth big on the team. I, he hasn't been impactful at all. Uh, 95% of it is fully on him. You know, there are moments where he's helped the team, uh, even, you know, the the last game against um, against the Miami Heat. He had some moments where, you know, he, he did some good things on the defensive side of the ball. He did some good things as a rebounder. 
Um, but it's just not enough. It's not enough to make it worthwhile, the $13.3 million contract. And so, look, I think that there's a market for bigs that's forming right now. We're seeing Plumlee go down. Um, you know, the, we're seeing Powell go down in uh, in Dallas. I think Andre Drummond is a player that teams are going to hunt, but he makes a lot of money. Uh, and make, swinging a deal for a player that makes that much money isn't that easy. So I think there is going to be a market for Deadman here. I don't think, I mean, clearly the Kings are going to yield dollar for dollar back. They're not going to, you know, win a trade here with Dwayne Deadman. Um, but they also don't have to lose one. I think there's enough market uh, for a big man, for a veteran big man that can step in, whether, again, it's Atlanta, it's Dallas, it's Denver. There are a lot of places that could use a, a guy who's a starting level center in past years and who brings, you know, defense typically brings three-point shooting. Um, You know, I I just think that Deadman got off to a bad start here in Sacramento, and he's not been able to get out from underneath it. You have here that Bogdan Bogdanovich is in the rather-keep category, but it's complicated. You bring up his upcoming contract situation. He's a uh, unrestricted free agent, and, of course, the the Kings value him highly, but they want to make sure they keep as much uh, flexibility financially available so that they can eventually uh, re-sign and, and lock down both De'Aaron Fox and hopefully Marvin Bagley uh, in the years to come. We've seen reports now, or there's whispers out there, that the Philadelphia 76 who have quite frankly underperformed at least to their own expectations so far this year. They are very interested uh, in uh, acquiring Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, and I also wanted to ask you another angle that I personally have been thinking about. We've had discussions about both on the podcast and on uh, on KHDK about uh, the concern that the Kings might have that they are going to try and pay big money and match a potentially big offer uh, for Bogdan Bogdanovich to bring him back here to Sacramento, but he would be frustrated because he is coming off the bench when he clearly believes that he can be a starter. So kind of a two-part question. One, what do you think just about his market value and how interested the the Kings are in moving him potentially, uh, and the other half is: is there any concern by the Kings uh, that Bogey could be un- unhappy for the years to come if he continues as an off the bench type guy? No, I, I don't think the bench versus starter really matters to Bogdan Bogdanovich. I mean, everybody wants to start. Let's you know, I'm not going to lie and say that he would prefer to start over coming off the bench. Um, but I also like he has a very very good relationship with Lade Divac and with Asia Stoyakovic, the Kings GM and assistant GM. There is no miscommunication here. There is no misunderstanding about what's going on. Uh, and the other thing is Bog- Bogdan fully intends to play on the Olympics. He fully intends to continue to play for the Serbian national team. He understands that playing 28 minutes a game uh, is probably not a bad thing for his career when you consider that he plays the entire summer most years as well. So, I mean, I don't think that that's the end-all, be-all for, for Bogdan. I think what is the end-all, be-all is that Bogdan wants to win. And if this team isn't winning uh, next season, if they're not winning the season after that, I think you're going to have a lot of players that are unhappy. Who wants to play for a team that can't, you know, they can't get over the 39-win hump? But realistically, we're looking at a season where they're going to be lucky to win 30 wins, yep. uh, to win 30 games. And that's, that's not what anyone expected. So I think what the Kings are going to do here, um, you know, I, I've got like on the inside, I'm hearing that uh, that they probably aren't going to move him. 
that they will uh, like go into the summer with the thought that, you know, they're willing to match almost any offer until it gets, if it were to get really ridiculous. I'm not sure that any team is running around with $20 million thinking that Bogdan Bogdanovich is the answer for them and that they're willing to go, you know, a four-year $80 million contract for him. Uh, I might be wrong. You know, it only takes one team. And then the team, the Kings would really, really have to consider like whether that's worthwhile or not. They have a freestanding offer out to him, a four-year, fifty-one point, I, it's fifty-one point four, fifty-one point seven, depending on how you do the math um, for him. That he can sign at any time. So if he continues to have injury issues in the second half of the season, and uh, it looks at this and says, you know, I've had a lot of injuries, and some team. Some teams out there may say I'm not worth the risk. Um, then he can just accept that offer and sign it, and not even worry about you know free agency in the summer. Um, he's probably worth a little bit more than that. What is that like? Thirteen point something million dollars a year. He can probably get fifteen, maybe a little higher than that. But I think the Kings are also willing to go fifteen or maybe a little bit higher than that. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't put too much stock into the starting versus coming off the bench. Um, again, like I'm around the guy all the time. He has no problems playing in Sacramento. He loves it here. He loves playing with Bielitsa. He loves that the two biggest superstars from his country are there with him all the time. And, you know, they're his friends and, uh, and, you know, basically coworkers that, you know, that he gets to come to work every day with. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, the Kings have to do what's right by them in this situation as well. Uh, and I don't think you're going to get a great offer of first round picks and stuff like that. Bogdan isn't a totally easy, uh, a totally movable contract because he makes $9 million a year. And for contenders, that means that they have to give up something in order to get him. Um, so, I, I mean, the, there's some complexities here and I know the Kings would like to keep him. I, I do know that for a fact, I do know that they believe that, they're more than likely they will make it through the trade deadline with Bogdan Bogdanovich on their roster, and then they'll let it play after play out after that. James, I could talk to you all day long. I would love to take the time to ask you about Buddy Heald and his potential trade value and the interest there, ask you about Rashawn Holmes and his financial future and how likely it is he could be a king for a long period of time. Of course, there's the situation with Harry Giles' contract. We simply don't have time for all of that, but I want to end with this and wrap up with this really quickly. You brought up the fact that the Kings might be lucky to win 30 games this season, which uh, none of us expected going into this year. Vlade Divac just signed a four-year contract extension after, I believe, living up to his promise of saying, if we're not better in two years, I'll step down. Well, they were technically better uh, by the end of that two-year period. He got rewarded with the extension. First move he makes is firing Jaeger and bringing in Luke Walton on a four-year deal of his own. Uh, With the way that the Kings are drastically underperforming to organization and fan expectations, is there? Do you get any sense that either one of their Walton and Vlade's seats are getting a little bit hot, uh, or is this more of a situation of time is on their side because of their new deals and because of their contracts, and they'll have at least this summer and next year to probably try and work this thing out? Yeah, I'm kind of in that latter category. I think that they're going to have more time, and whether that's deserved or not, that's for each individual person to, you know, to come up with their their thoughts uh, on what should happen here. Um, But to be honest with you, I I just, um, this season has gone so poorly and 
Uh, you can blame a lot of things. Uh, you know, I, I think whether the, the franchise has not fully said like, look, um, we are losing because of injuries, but you'd have to be crazy not to at least understand that that's part of it. Um, but Matt, I think at this point I have them with 20, 20 games on the season that have been within five points. And of those 20 games, they are seven and 13. Hmm. And here's the tricky thing, Matt. They were seven and three. If my math is right to start the season in those five point games. Hmm. And that means that they have lost the last 10 straight. And so we hear this this whole thing that, you know, this is great for a young team to go through these battles to learn, but it's not good when it becomes the learning experience becomes sort of like uh, you're trapped in a box and every single game you get to a certain point in the game where it's here we go again. And, you know, that's what you have to avoid here if you're the Sacramento Kings. I think there is a here we go again we're going to lose this game. We're going to blow it mentality that's happening right now. I think maybe an infusion of different players, uh, you know, a guy like Kent Bazemore maybe can help change that uh, and make them get out of this funk that they're in. But when you look at all the close games, it's demoralizing. Losing in, in overtime to the Miami Heat was demoralizing. You had the game in hand. You didn't put it away. Um, and that's one of you know, 15 games that we can say, or 13 games that we can say that about this season. And it's really painful to watch, um, but there's something broken here. There's something that's missing and they need to figure that out very quickly. And then they need to start performing better in those situations. And that's on players. It's on coaches. It's on Vladi Divac and his staff. Um, and if there isn't a clock ticking on these guys, there should be, uh, whether, again, I, I don't know that they're going to do anything this right here in this period, um, but certainly next season, going into next season, this thing has to turn around because this is not what anyone expected this year. And it's demoralizing for the team. It's demoralizing for the fan base. Uh, this really does feel like the 05-06 season where Kings fans got a taste of the good life. You know, they made the playoffs. There was so much excitement. And then the next season, they fell flat on their face, and the fans tuned them out for the next two years until they started to to build. Uh, sorry, not the oh five oh six, the nineteen ninety five ninety six season. Right. So you know when they rebuilt this team during the the summer of nineteen ninety eight and the lockout, um, you got a revitalization. But people forget the dark days that came after the 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 playoffs, and after a ten year stretch without making it and then what the repercussions were for making the playoffs and then falling apart in the next offseason. And I really do feel like this is we're in the same trap that we were in that year uh, where you know this team had so much excitement, so much positivity coming into this season. India, uh, I think, wiped them out and really did take away their ability to have a true training camp. I think Buddy Hill's situation was a huge, huge distraction. Uh, and he has been a huge distraction on other times during the season um, with comments to the media. Uh, I think that the Harry Giles situation was a little funky as well and set this thing off, but losing Marvin Bagley in the first game of the season 
um, losing De'Aaron Fox for 18 games, losing Bogdanovich for, for you know, 12 games, uh, 10 games, whatever it is. It, it's not that the Kings lead the league in games missed, but I guarantee you this, rotational top of the top of the rotation players, they do have a huge amount of games missed this season. And so it, it's difficult. And they got off to the wrong start. And, you know, eventually somebody has to own up for what's happened here. And you hope that, that the players take accountability, the front office, the coaching staff. Um, but again, Matt, I don't think they're going to do anything to shake up this uh, front office slash uh, coaching staff, at, at least for another year. Well, for the sanity of the Kings players, the fans, and heck, even us who are around the organization all the time, I hope that things can get right. Uh, and at least there's some more positivity and optimism, even if the Kings miss the playoffs again. Hopefully this second half of the season starting today, I can start to feel a little bit better. James, it really is a pleasure and an honor to have you here on the Locked on Kings podcast. You're so gracious with your time, and I always look forward to chatting with you. I look forward to seeing you back at the Golden One Center here uh, in a week or so, as the schedule doesn't get any easier, but we have some fun games and some good teams uh, coming to town here shortly so I look forward to seeing you then thank you so much thanks for having me Matt we talk about physical fitness a lot here on the Locked On Kings podcast and Locked On Podcast Network but there's another side of the game that is just as important I'm talking about mental fitness Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and they have teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most important things that he can do for his body and mind. If you head to Calm.com slash LockedOnNBA, you'll get 40% off a Calm Premium membership. Membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes that LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more, including sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on NBA. That's calm.com slash locked on NBA. Huge thank you to James Ham for taking the time here today. We are all out of time. Enjoy tonight's game, Kings and Detroit Pistons. Hopefully the Kings can end this five-game losing streak, their third five-game losing streak of the season, by the way. Hopefully that can come to an end. We'll pop the mic on tomorrow's podcast and be able to talk about a Kings win and more great fun stuff rather than the doom and gloom as of late. But if you have any responses uh, to anything that James said or any of our conversation that you want to just talk about, reach out to me on Twitter, at MattGeorgeKHDK, or email me mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com I love having James on I know you love hearing uh, him speak he is so well connected uh, with this organization and with this franchise as a whole so anytime we can get him on is a real treat until next time my name is Matt George thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Kings podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network you are Locked On Kings your daily Sacramento Kings podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team Every day.